Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC's orthopedics team, offering hip, knee, joint, spine, and back treatments. Learn more at upmc.com slash centralpaortho. Welcome back to The Spark. I'm Scott Lamar. This Old House has been one of the most popular TV shows on PBS since it premiered in 1979. In the 44 years since then, a lot of other home makeover, fixer-upper type shows and an entire network have sprung up, but none quite like This Old House. Kevin O'Connor has hosted This Old House for the past 20 years, and he spoke with The Spark when he visited the Pennsylvania Home and Garden Show in Harrisburg last weekend. Kevin O'Connor, welcome to The Spark. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. This old house is a pioneer. It started in 1979, premiering in 1979. There probably are houses that were new then <laughs> that are old houses now that you could renovate. But history aside, let's talk about the program sure. and how it's unique. What made it different? What made it successful over the years? A couple of things. I would say the first is it was truly reality television, and by that I mean not the definition that I think we hold today for much of what we are calling reality television. Back in 1979, the idea was is to follow uh, a job site and put a microphone on Master Carpenter Norm Abram and the other folks who were on the job site. Look at what they did and talk to real contractors and real homeowners about what they were up to. Um, and so that authenticity that started in 79 continues today. We are doing real projects for real homeowners still, and my co-hosts, if you will, are all professional contractors. I'm the only person on the um, talent side who is not a professional contractor. Tommy, Richard, Jen, uh, Mark, they all run their own construction businesses. So we have authenticity and we also have trust. People know when they hear these gentlemen and these women speak that they're talking from a place of experience because they and their fathers and sometimes their grandfathers have been in the trades. They live it and they breathe it every day. So those two things I think is what makes us unique and I also think it's what makes us successful. Your role as host, how would you describe it? I am a proxy for the viewer. Um, the viewer watching the television screen cannot ask Tom Silva what the heck is he talking about or challenge Richard Trithui on why I'd want to spend that kind of money for his newfangled heating or cooling equipment. So my job is to be their voice and to be curious. Um, it's why the host has never been a professional contractor. It's basically the homeowner. And I go and I say, okay, tell me why we're doing it this way. And when they use some jargon, I stop them and say, I don't know what that means. I've never done it before. Can you slow down, say it again? And really just be what the homeowner would be if they were standing next to Richard Trithuri or Jen Nawada um, and ask those questions. My job is to pull good information out of them to make it very understandable for the viewer. I'm going to ask what you have learned over the years in just a minute, but something that is unique in your, in your situation is that you didn't audition for this job. No. Tell us how it came about. 
uh, I've told this story a million times, but I don't mind telling it because it ended up getting me this job. But the short story is, is that my wife and I bought our first house, uh, which was a two-family fixer-upper, and literally nothing worked. Um, flashlight in the bathroom because we didn't have lights, a kitchen that you know, the gas had been turned off. It's what we were looking for. Um, we both loved working with our hands. Um, we both thought we could do it, and we sort of dove in, we moved in, and we started working on it, and very quickly we realized we were in over our heads. And I, honestly, I don't know why we did this, Scott, but we, we needed to fix and replicate this historical detail. We didn't know how to do it, and since I grew up as a fan of the show, we wrote a letter to the magazine, which was, I don't even know who writes letters to the magazines or why we did, <laughs> but we did. And it happened to be the first year that they were producing our sister show, which is Ask This Old House, a long time ago. Um, and because the concept there is not a full year renovation, but really ask, answering homeowner questions, um, they would go to the mailbag and they'd find simple tasks. Well, we didn't have a mailbag because it was the first season it had been on the air. So they went to the magazine. They found our letter, they called up and they said, hey, can we come you know, work on your house and answer your question for you? And I said, if you're bringing Tom Silva, you can come and do anything you want. They did, we filmed, they left, and I was just an Uber fan wearing a blue suit and wingtips working at a bank um, and banging a hammer on the weekends. Um, and three weeks later, the phone rang, literally this matter-of-factly, and they said, would you like to work with us on the show? Which turned out to be a, an offer to be the host of both shows. So you said that you were banging a hammer on the weekends. Mm -hmm. Now I go back to what you've learned mm -hmm. over those 20 plus years of hosting the show. Do you still hear jargon that maybe you don't know what it is, but I'm looking for how much you've learned from your co-host and the projects you've done over the years. I have learned a ton because I've been swimming in the deep end of the pool for many, many years, and I am constantly around these very smart gentlemen and women who are telling me stuff. Um, and that's a big challenge with my job because I can no longer ask them questions that I know the answer to. So I'm forced, just as a host, to use different devices to ask them different things. You know, please explain it to me, or I've heard you tell me this. Can we go through it again? Something like that, uh, because we do want to be authentic. I'm not going to. Um, pretend or play act that I don't know some of these things. But I'm still going to ask the questions, you know, on behalf of the homeowners. Um, that being said, you would be surprised how little I know. <laughs> um, and it, it's not any sort of, you know, false modesty. Richard Trithui has been practicing his craft since he was a little boy and does it every single day. He is in and out of the mechanical, the, the physics, the, um, the distribution chain of these pieces of equipment, the latest and greatest. I am not. I am a generalist. And so can I tell you the air conditioning cycle? Sure, but not as well as him. Um, and if, if my rule of thumb is if there's ever a question about how to do something and I am standing next to, say, Tom Silva, who do you want the answer from? Tom Silva. So I keep my mouth shut and I say, Tommy, what's the answer right there? All right, I don't know whether I can call this a complaint or not. I won't go that far or not. But you don't know how many times in watching the show mm. I've turned to my wife and said, they make this look so easy. I don't know whether I can do that or not. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, that's the gift of the people who I work with. Um, not only are they really good craftsmen and craftswomen, they're actually they're natural teachers. 
Um, and I'm not sure people quite understand that or appreciate it. They see these people doing their craft and they say, oh, great carpenter, amazing landscaper, tr traditional, uh, terrific mason, excuse me. But they have an ability to explain it as a teacher would explain it. Um, and so it's very fluid and it's very smooth. And you're right, it's not nearly as easy to do for mere <laughs> mortals like us as it is for them. So what's changed, not necessarily with the show over the last 20 years or so, but trends that you've seen over the last 20 years? Well, there are always aesthetic trends, um, for sure, and we've seen them, some come and go. You know, the farmhouse modern came on um, like a storm. I think it's fading right now. We have seen the mid-century modern um, trend that happened, you know, before my lifetime, but we've seen it put in place, and then we've seen it sort of fall out of favor, and now we've seen it back. I have definitely seen sort of all those aesthetics, but to me, the trends that are sort of the most interesting are the, tr the changes in the way that construction actually happens. I don't think people appreciate how many advances have actually happened within the construction industry. And by that I mean new materials, new products, new efficiencies. The magic behind your walls, that gray box in your basement that keeps you warm, those things are being improved all of the time. There are tasks that craftsmen used to do, three, four, five different tasks, that have now been compressed into one step because we have new materials. Um, and those are the things that most homeowners don't appreciate, but they're actually going on behind the scenes. And it's a credit to these people who do this professionally that they stay on top of that stuff and that they adopt those. And I think it's one of the things that separates the really good builders from the medium builders and the poor builders. There have been a lot of changes in society and even on the planet over the last 20 years. We are much more conscious today of climate change, for example. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that gray box in the basement. Uh, I think we're going to have to, if we haven't already, make some changes with how we look to heat our homes or to be prepared for climate change, for those uh, severe storms that so much of the country has experienced. Well, I think we're going to have to, and I think we are. Um, I will point out, however, that the consumer is actually a very intelligent um, being. They know in mass when things are ready for adoption and when they are not. And I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with Richard or her son about oil's going away or the price is going to be so prohibitive, and it, it hasn't happened. There are still things out there um, that are sort of you know, not allowing that to happen. That little gray box in your basement, if you think about the efficiencies you get from a, a natural gas-fired furnace or boiler, um, you know, they're, they're in the mid-90s percent efficiency. That's because for 150 years they have been continuously refined. And so that's a tough thing to knock off the block. We do have the technology with heat pumps, for example, to do that, but a lot of things have to sort of fall in place. And then we've got 125 million households, which already exist, that need to be converted. So I think the future and the path forward is clear and actually bright, but I think people's frustration with it not happening faster, while justified, um, or I should say understandable, I don't think that they understand the nuances enough for why it isn't happening just overnight. It's a big country and a lot of things to change. I also understand that you're very passionate about young people learning a skill. And by that I mean going to a technical school or a trade school or a community college. I mean, for a lot of people over the years, getting a four-year college degree has been a path to success. Mm. But maybe not for everyone. So what are your thoughts on that? 
Well, my passion is shared with all the folks who um, work with me at this old house. We have a program called Generation Next, which is supporting young people into the trades. And I think there are a couple points um, that get us excited about it or animated about it. First of all, there's a huge shortage. There's a skills gap. We have too few people going into the trades. And if you've ever tried to hire a contractor, a plumber, you, you've felt this personally. They're backed up, they're weeks away, months out. There's just too few people going in. So we need to fix that just from a practical standpoint. But then there's this idea, you know, college education versus vocational school. There's a stigma problem, which should be changed as well. Uh, and the simple answer there is, um, there is a lot of respect and dignity in hard work, in manual work and working with your hands, not to mention the fact that a lot of these trades can be financially lucrative to people. Um, and I don't think it should be either or. You shouldn't be a winner if you go to college and something else if you don't go to college. I think they should just be put up on an equal platform and people should be able to make the choice. And when they make that choice, we should stand behind it. Kevin O'Connor, thank you very much for being with us today. It's been my pleasure. You're listening to The Spark on WITF, your home for NPR and discovering all things local. I'm Scott Lamar.